Welcome to Happy Hour with Weeza and the Bad Parents Club, a podcast where you're either going to love us, hate us, or relate to us. If you're easily offended, go ahead and click out that X. This is not the podcast for you. We are going to have a cup of coffee or two. Some might need a case of beer, others a second glass of wine. Some might even be on their second bottle of wine. Whatever gets us through this. We're going to touch on subjects from mental health, raise awareness in the community and in the educational system, and go across the board with that. There's so much to talk about, and there's so many bridges to fix. We live in a completely different world and a broken society. So buckle up, Buttercup. It's going to be a long ride. Hey guys, Louisa here, and we are going to actually just jump right into it. We're going to discuss today um, without a guest, only because of short planning, but it's something I read on social media that's really disturbing to me, and it's been around for decades, but until recently has not caught fire um, like it has in this day and age. And what we're talking about is the prison pipeline or school to jailhouse, school to prison pipeline, whatever you want to call it. And this is the definition of minors or young adults from disadvantaged backgrounds who become incarcerated because of harsh policies in the educational system. Um, The American Bar Association in 2017 actually did a research and published Um, Some statistics, and the one that stuck out the most is black children and young adults are suspended every four seconds in a United States public school. Every four seconds. That is highly disturbing. Now, it's not giving some reasons, but when I say harsh policies, that's where we're having to explore definition of what is harsh policy. Um, So that they showed that juvenile crime rates are plummeting in the American Juvenile Detention Center from 1995 to 2010. It says the rate actually dropped 41%. However, it states school discipline policies are moving in the opposite direction. Out of school suspensions and increased about 10% 10% since 2000. They have more than doubled since the 1970s. Black students are three times more likely to be suspended and expelled than white students. And that actually is coming, they're quoting that from the uh, Educational Department of Office of Civil Rights. And then the research in Texas found out that students who have been suspended are more likely to be held back a grade and drop out of school entirely. Those facts have led concern among some people, including the Obama administration, that the schools are uh, suspending students way too much and need to find other ways to discipline them. No shit. I don't need research to figure that out. Did you? I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, The difference between juvenile detention and school discipline is actually really surprising. They're connected. They shouldn't be connected, but they are. So, um, trouble at school can actually lead to their first contact 
with a police officer, SOR. Um, in many cases, it's the schools that push them by calling the cops and having them arrested at school because, you know, that doesn't hurt them. And I'm not talking about, you know, the extreme cases where kids are bringing guns to school. I'm talking about throwing pencils, insubordination, um, extreme depression, and throwing a desk. Now, I'm not saying that any of those are correct behaviors. I'm not saying that they're right. But where do we draw the line of what is criminal and what is a cry for help? I know everybody talks about these zero tolerance policies, but when do the zero tolerance policies become a problem? And that seems to be one thing today is they put in these policies and they're not clear or they're one-sided. So then you read things online like, well, those parents better step up to the plate. Or what about the autistic kid that kicked the teacher? Do you arrest him? Does he know what's happening? Is he going to learn from that? These are some interesting things that come up. This article also states that schools have outsourced discipline to juvenile courts and officers in school. So when you when you have an SRO or uh, student resource officer, they call it, and they're walking the halls of the school, what do you think a child that's afraid is looking at? Do you think they're looking at their spelling test or do you think they're looking at that SOR? I might get in trouble. Do you think it puts them on edge or do you think it helps them concentrate? Now, where is that line for what is okay to call these? And it's a little difficult because... They're having to prosecute kids that didn't do anything but make an adult mad. And so this is coming from the Justice Policy Institute. And they're showing a arrest rate per 100 situations. And it's showing 1 to 0.7 as assault charges. 8.5 is disorderly contact. Now, where is that line? Disorderly conduct. It doesn't go into detail. So you have teachers who, I remind you, are regular people having to draw a line of what they think is disorderly contact. Now, I'm not talking about smoke in the back room. Uh, vandalism, obscene language, or those kind of things. However, it does say that black children are more likely to be subjective to this kind of punishment than white kids. And this includes disability children. I'm disturbed. So, I'm going to put the graph from the U.S. Department of Education actually on the website. And if you want to check that out, it will be up there later. Uh, www.buildingthegaps.org But one of the behaviors it says in here is insubordination is the most common suspension in New York City public schools. I'm sorry, what? 
insubordination. So that could be something as calling the teacher a name. For a kindergartner, it could be something as simple as, you're stupid. Now, I'm not condoning anything. Don't jump my case on social media. Oh my gosh, she's endorsing this. No, I'm not. What I'm saying is, those kind of behaviors, is that something to call the cops on? Because in society, if I call somebody stupid, most likely I'm not going to get arrested. So why are we starting this in the educational system? When did disrespect become illegal? Now, like I said, I'm not justifying it. Not by any means. But where do you draw the line between that cry for help, that talk? Why are we just picking up the phone and calling the cops? Maybe that kid didn't even understand the word. So I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about this because it's it's a big thing right now. Now, I know a lot of people say it's a parenting issue, and, and that's fine, that's your opinion. But my question is the mental health aspect. When they say this also includes black disability children, I am interested to find out the numbers as a whole for disability children. Now, some people will say, well, pull those kids out of school, make their parents homeschool them. I'm not quite sure that's the answer. Why are we cutting so much mental health out of the schools when there's such a need for it? Hell, why are we cutting our mental health across the United States at all? And the ones that are available, why is it so expensive? Why is it so out of reach? These statistics are saying disadvantaged backgrounds. You know, lower income. The wealthy can get better mental health than the kids who don't even have jobs are able to obtain it. So please go to www.buildingthegaps.org and push the button under Weez's Two Cents. I am curious to hear your thoughts on the prison to pipeline, or I'm sorry, the educational to pipeline subject. <laughs>